I'm Tom Fenning. And I'm Peter Skerritt. And this is the Beckles Baptist Church Reading Together podcast, uh, which aims to encourage us as a church family as we read through Tim Chester's book, Enjoying God, so to prompt further discussion and further thinking of the things that we have read. Well, today's chapter 14, podcast number 15, and this is the final chapter that we are going to review. Um, This chapter really winds the clock back to the first two chapters of the book and tries to look at some of the theological underpinnings of everything that's been read. So, you may well have found, if you've already read this chapter, it's harder going (laughs) than the other chapters. And if you found that and you just found it slightly less helpful, that's fine. That might well have been the case, because to some extent, Tim Chester's wanting simply to show us his working and restate the points he began the book with. Yeah. And, um, not, and not claim the credit. <laughs> so it was all John Owen's idea. And yeah. point to, yeah, this yeah. Puritan John yeah. Owen from the 17th century, whose book, basically, um, Tim Chester has kidnapped and then repurposed and rewritten um, to give us this book. So these are old ideas made new, rather than new ideas. Mm. Um, two things at play um, in this chapter he keeps talking about Mm. union and communion Um, so unpack those two words for us Peter Uh, yep so I mean union as we said before uh, is a sense of your your status before God Uh, is yeah you are a son of the father that's your union with him joined to him communion would be the kind of two-way back and forth of that relationship so once in the family how do you relate in the family, I guess would be one way of putting it. Mm. Um, I don't know if you want to sharpen that at all, but that, that seems to be one of the, the big principles of the chapter, union mm. and communion. And the, and the other being the sense of God as three and God as one. one. Yeah. Um, do you want to take that one quickly first? So, yeah, so before he completely unpacks this whole notion of communion and union, mm. um, he talks about God being three and one. Um, before I talk about that, let me just wind, the, wind, wind it back and give an mm. illustration to help yeah, us yeah, understand yeah. what's meant by union and communion. So it might help us to think of um, union with the Lord Jesus is the thing that grants us our status before God and communion the means by which we can enjoy knowing God. So picture the scene. Um, Augustus is a, is a two-year-old in um, Romania who is adopted by a loving family from the United Kingdom. Uh, Their adoption has nothing to do with Augustus's action. Um, His status as the child of his new family is entirely arranged and enabled by the pursuit of his parents. And his status will never change. He is now adopted into this family. Um, He is Augustus Smith, um, a member of the Smith family. His union with them is determined in a one-way fashion. It is done by his parents, and he can't undo that. But whether he enjoys his relationship with his father, well, Augustus, as he grows up, has things that he can do to affect that. Mm. So if his father offers to play a game of snap with him, (laughs) or a game of pairs, or a game of football with him... If Augustus responds well to that invitation, 
then he enjoys the relationship he has with his father. If he doesn't, well, his relationship remains because it hinges on the adoption that has already gone on, the union that has happened. And that is just a little bit of a comparison of union with the Lord Jesus and communion with God the Father. How we live as Christians doesn't affect our being joined to Jesus and being in God's family, but whether we avail ourselves of God's kindness, whether we repent of our sin, whether we pursue um, community in a church family, all those things will just affect whether we enjoy the relationship. That's what's meant by the two words, mm. union and communion. Yep. And I, I, yeah, maybe we just zoom, zoom in on that really, because mm. uh, I think his big point is to say that we often talk about salvation uh, and we think, yeah, I've been saved. And his big concern here, like, just like John Owens was, to say that, well, actually, being saved is more than you picture, uh, in that it's not simply having your sins forgiven, but actually being joined into the family that you might enjoy, enjoy God. Um, yeah. He said, he, yeah, this is John Owen saying, it speaks of Christ's great undertaking in his life, death, resurrection, ascension, being a mediator between God and us. Why? To bring us an enjoyment of God. There you have it. That's a Puritan writer saying, mm. <laughs> the, the purpose of this all, the reason you've been saved is this. Don't sell yourself short. Yeah, you, you, you've been saved to enjoy God. Mm. And I think we've seen that as well, actually, in our recent sermon series in Exodus. We are not just rescued uh, from something, something. We're rescued for relationship to being a people mm. who enjoy communion with God, him dwelling with us. And right. it's, it's bigger than we tend to think. And yeah, don't, don't sell yourself short. Mm. It's a two-way thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and he, just, he just drives, so, that's, so that quotes from 175, on, on 174, sorry, and then on 175, he just talks about the fact that actually experience of being a Christian, the experiential nature of knowing God's favour and of growing in our love for him and feeling it is really important. Mm. It's not the foundation of our faith, that is the yeah. saving work of the Lord Jesus and our being united to him, but actually we're either a poor Christian or we're a rich one, mm. depending on whether we pursue knowing God and enjoying relationship with him. Yeah, yeah. we, we were just saying it earlier, I find this just a helpful thing. Whilst a lot of it felt a bit repetitive from the earlier chapters, I think this was significant, pointing out just different dangers for different elements of the Christian church. And so there, there are dangers in the Christian experience of, of pursuing a, like emotional highs as a goal as the, the end in themselves and not God. There's, there's a danger of emotions that deceive, they come and go, and, and they may not even be genuine. You might just be hyped up by the music or um, just uh, the inspiring talk. Uh, yeah, I think that's probably not as a um, category as our, as our kind of church. I, I think that's not really so much our, mm. our, our problem. It just flags up there's another danger of emotion is that you basically have none. Yeah. <laughs> um, experiential, the experiential nature of our faith on page 175. Mm. Um, and whilst we might accuse some of having a narrow view uh, of what experience of God involves, whether it's mis mysterious miracles or spectacular signs and wonders, we're, we're actually saying, he's saying, you can have a narrow view of the way God works too if you think of it simply in terms of information and intellect. Mm. And, but, but you don't want to go too far down the spectrum so that it's, it's nothing to do with what you know and think. So that, I think that point of union feeding into and kind of nourishing our communion is, is important. What we know just feeds how we, how we relate to God himself. Yeah, yeah. You can't dislocate no. knowledge yeah. 
and experience. Yeah. They are interdependent. Yeah. Yeah. Your knowledge of God is to drive you to an experience of worshipping yeah. him, delighting yeah. in him. Um, but your delight in him should drive you to deeper knowledge mm. as well of him. And you can't dislocate the two. Yeah. Um, and so he talks about neglecting a gift. Yeah, if the gift is a two-way relationship with God, why well, you can neglect it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what you thought about the, the movie channel uh, illustration particularly. Uh, the sense that I, I, it conveys the idea that yeah, if your friend gives you a subscription to a movie um, channel like Netflix, well, you, you can use it or you can not, but you've still got it. And I think that's, that's helpful. Um, but it doesn't quite convey the, the, re, the relational, emotional freight behind what he's saying. That yeah. you could, I, I don't know, you're married. That would be better, maybe. Uh, I'm married to Alice, but I could choose to actually talk to her or not, to enjoy her company or not, uh, and I'd still be married. Uh, well, maybe not for that much longer. But um, yeah, he's saying, yeah, you can, you can neglect the relationship, but uh, you can't claim that your enjoyment is an achievement as such. Yeah. Uh, I think this is just a, a helpful note. I think we'll end on this. It, on 176, Tim Chester just warns us about the kind of proud parts of our hearts that can always seek to um, cash in our achievements for God mm. as a means of... Um, our position before him, our knowing his favour. Um, so he talks about the danger of having a kind of ladder and, and up which we must ascend to God, uh, which if we know anything of our Bibles, we know is ludicrous to think that that's true. But our hearts are really deceptive and they always want to think, actually, no, actually, there's something that Tom Fenning does that gets in favour with God. And there's a, yeah, it's because of his performance, his achievement. Whereas we need to remember that actually any enjoyment of God as well as our status before God, hinges entirely on his grace. And so he's the one that gets the praise. Mm. We're always humbled and thankful because of what he's done. Um, And it's in light of that grace that we pursue an ever greater, deeper knowledge of God and enjoyment of him too. Well, um, that concludes our 15th podcast, the look at the last chapter, chapter 14. We're going to do one more podcast next week, which will be a kind of summary of the whole book. Standout things that have um, hit us between the eyes as we've read this book, helped and warmed our hearts as we've read it too. So we'll be back for one last podcast um, to sum up all that we've read. We hope to see you then.